This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Oh, it is good to see faces again. Our family got hit right into the new year. 2022 came out swinging, and we were like, lovely. Oh, but it's good to see your faces. Those of you joining us online, it's good to be seen, and we are with you as well. But what a great time. But we're going to be jumping right into the series that we've started the new year with. And I don't know about you, but 2022 has not gone the way I was planning. It's not gone the way I was hoping. And it's been kind of hard. And it's just a question as we get started. What, what do you do when you get hit with bad news? Because I've anyone been hit with bad news? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like since we've moved, it's just been like, oh, and this, and this, and this. And it's just been this wrestling challenge. And, and, and I, I struggle with bad news when it hits my life because at one level, I know there's a hope I have, right? Like, like there's hope. And I know there, there's a spiritual response that I'm supposed to embrace. Like, like, yes, God is good and God is greater. I know that that's true. And one of the things that I'm called to do in the moments when life is hitting hard is to have a faith that trusts him and pray and ask God to show up. Like, I know that that is true, but here's the reality. I still get spun when the bad news hits me, and I wrestle with, okay, so what do I do with that? Like, How do we ground ourselves in the hope we do have when life hits us hard and we find ourselves spinning? Because there is an incredible hope that we can have when we see God at work in our story. That God is so good and so for us. And the reason we can have this hope is because of what he's done for us through Jesus. I mean, God looks at us in the mess and the brokenness of our lives and in our stories. In the things that have happened to us, the, the wounds that we've experienced, and in the things we've done. The wounds we've caused, this thing called sin that wreaks havoc in our world. And, and God looks at us in all of it and says, and I love you so much. Look at what I'm going to do for you. I'm, I'm going to send my son into the story. Jesus is going to show up and do a work on your behalf so that every single one of us can have the hope of a new life in him. And that's the reason we can have hope is because Jesus is on the scene and doing something in our lives and in our story. And when we grab hold of that, we can begin to realize it doesn't matter the circumstance today. Circumstance today doesn't determine God's love for me. God's love for me is demonstrated in what he's done in Jesus. 2,000 years ago, God says, here's the proof of my love. Nothing today can take that away. And God is greater because of what we see. Jesus overcame death itself so we could have the hope of life. See, there's a reason we can have hope. Yet I am still spun when life hits me. When I woke up on January 1st, happy new year. I don't feel so good. What's going on? Do the little nasal swab and be like, oh, COVID. (laughs) Well, that's not how I thought the year was going to start. And then as we roll into this week and we're excited to get back into the swing of things and our quarantine is over and then it's just like, hey, everything's shutting down once again. It's like, no, and, and so I, I would love to tell you, like, as one of your pastors, like, I, my faith is rock solid. But as a human being, friends, I get spun. How about you? I get spun all the time. So how can we ground ourselves in this hope that is true when life hits us hard? And this is one of the reasons we're taking a look at the life of this guy, Daniel, and his friends as we roll into this new year, because there's things we can learn from those who've gone before us. 
And as we take a look at Daniel's story today, I think we're going to see something that Daniel does that can help give us a picture of how we can ground ourselves in the hope that we have. And so I want to jump in and continue Daniel's story. And we, we got to jump in and start it last week when Ron was showing us the first chapter of the book of Daniel. And, and Daniel's story takes a dark turn. So he was living his life with his friends and things are good. And then this empire comes in. The Babylonians come in and basically say, you're ours now. And they conscript, i.e. kidnap Daniel and his friends and force them to go to a whole new place, learn all things Babylonian. Talk about a bad day. You know, it, like, it'd be kind of like if Canada had a beef with Mexico, and on their way down to go fight Mexico, they just sweep all of us up and take us back to minus 30 for the rest of our lives. Like, that would not be a good day. And so here's Daniel now trying to figure out, how do I live my life? And we saw last week that he determined in his heart, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm not going to give up on you, even though this doesn't make sense or this isn't fair. And as Daniel trusted God, God was positioning him to be a person of influence in his context. And so we're going to see now, Daniel's going to get hit with some bad news again. And we're going to see what he does to give us a picture of how we can ground ourselves in the hope that we can have. And so we jump into chapter 2, and it starts with Daniel's not even in the situation that's about to happen, but he's going to get the ripple effect of it. And so we're told this in Daniel 2, one night... During the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, this is the king of Babylon, had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. And he called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me. I must know what it means. Any of you have had bad dreams before? So here's Nebuchadnezzar. He's gotten rocked by a dream. He doesn't know what it means. So he's calling all of his counselors around him to help him understand it. And so then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, Well, long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. Which is a very reasonable request, don't you think? Like if I was like, I had this bad dream, can you tell me what it means? Don't you think your first response would be, what was the dream? So that's what they're asking. But Nebuchadnezzar is not dumb. He knows you can make up whatever you want. And so the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means... You will be torn from limb to limb, and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. Sounds like a great boss, right? (laughs) But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. So listen, it's either going to go really well for you or really bad for you. Tell me, and, and they push back, and they're like, well, just, again, tell us what the dream is, and we'll tell you what it means. And he's like, no, unless you can tell me, like, how do I know you're just not making it up? And so their response is, the astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dreams, and they do not live here among people. Again, kind of a reasonable response, right? But if you're Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) the king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. Okay, so this is a bad bad news moment, right? Like, I don't know if you, like, have you ever just gotten, like, the inner office memo like policy changes coming or something, and you're like, this isn't good. I mean, here's Daniel. He wasn't even in this situation, and suddenly he's caught up because he's in that category as the rest of these guys. And this word comes out, 
the king is coming to kill you. What do you do in a moment like that? Because he can't run, he can't escape, he can't get away from it. And I love what we're going to see Daniel do here. So let's pay attention as he responds. And so when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Like, I think it's like someone breaks into your house and they're going to kill you. Uh, let's just talk. <laughs> and this is Daniel's response here in this first moment. And he asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? And so Arioch told him all that had happened. And Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Because remember, he wasn't there in that first group of people. He wasn't able to be a part of that. And so his response is, okay, king, can we just have some more time? And then what does Daniel do? As a person who has faith in God, as a person who trusts in the greatness of God, I love what Daniel does next because this is a clue of how we can ground ourselves in hope. Look at what he does next. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. Now, if you're familiar with the stories of Daniel and his friends, we know these three guys by different names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to meet them again in chapter 3 next week in their, their own epic story. But here's Daniel going home and finding his crew, finding his friends, the people that he's doing life with. So his first response is when it's hitting the fan in his life is, I need to find my friends, and then together let's pursue God. And so he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. So his response is to find his friends, and then together let's go before God and ask for his help. And then that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And so God shows up. God meets Daniel and his friends in the midst of this moment in their pursuit of him together and gives them the answer. So Daniel now knows what the king's dream is. And so Daniel's response to this is that he praised the God of heaven. And he said, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. And he controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. That's a good moment, right? You suddenly realize, I can now respond to the situation because God has shown up as me and my friends have pursued him together. And so then Daniel went to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said, don't kill the wise men. And I love this. He could have just said, kill them, but don't kill us. But he realizes he's got a responsibility in his context. So don't kill them. Take me to the king and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. And Arioch quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah, who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. And so the king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, that was his Babylonian name, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? And again, I love how Daniel is going to see this as a moment to make God great and not himself great. Because look at his response. Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. Well, that's a pretty brave opening line, don't you think? Saying this to the guy that was going to kill you. <laughs> And yet Daniel is so confident in God at work in his story that he can just speak truthfully. Now, because the reality is there is no one who can do this, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. 
And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. And while your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. So your dream, Nebuchadnezzar, was about future things that will happen. And he who reveals, this is God, who reveals secrets, has shown you what is going to happen. And it's not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. And here's Daniel now, and he's going to tell him the dream. And we're not going to spend a lot of time looking at it, but it's this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had had of this magnificent statue made out of layers of different materials. And the, the top of the statue was pure gold and radiant, and yet each successful, successful layer coming down was less and less valuable till you get to the bottom of, of a feet that was made of clay and iron ore and and then this rock is carved and it smashes the whole statue and then the rock grows to become a mountain that becomes the greatest kingdom in the earth and and the the, the gist of what God is trying to help Nebuchadnezzar to understand is dude you're not all that <laughs> yeah you have a magnificent kingdom but there is a God who is greater than all things, and his kingdom will never end. And Daniel says, God wants you to understand what's going on in your heart. You're full of yourself. And God's trying to help you understand something here. And then Nebuchadnezzar doesn't really get what the dream is about, as we're going to see next week when he makes this big statue. But his response to Daniel telling him this is that then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. See how he's missing the point? And he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. And the king said to Daniel, truly, your God is the greatest of the gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the secret. And then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. And at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are his three friends to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. So that turned out pretty good, right? Like here's Daniel, like life hits him hard. And what we see in this moment is that God was greater. That truth was true the entire time. But how Daniel responds gives us a clue of how we can ground ourselves in the hope that we need when life hits us hard. Because I promise you, if 2022 hasn't hit you yet, it will. And so how do we ground ourselves in that hope? And I love what Daniel shows us here in this moment that we can see. Because there's a deep wisdom that we see in how he responds to this dire situation. Because immediately after he goes to the king and asks for more time, what does Daniel do? Where does he go? To whom does he go? See, I, I think the Bible answer would be he goes to God first. But that's not what he did, was it? He went and found his friends. He went and found the people he was doing life with. And then together he's like, let's pray. Because you and I, we are in this together. And let's see what God wants to do in our story. And Daniel understands that life is not a solo venture. It's a life that's meant to be lived in relationship and in context with other people. That's the wisdom of Daniel in this moment. There's this proverb in the book of Proverbs that Daniel would have known. Proverbs 17, 17. It says this. It says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Now, as a teenager growing up with an older brother that I didn't like, I thought that proverb meant a brother is born for adversity. Because I have a brother, I have adversity. <laughs> That's what I thought it meant. That's not what it means. What it meant, means is that there are people in your life that are there for when it hits the fan. 
There are people that God wants to place in your life that are there for when life gets hard. And that's a true friend, a friend who loves at all times. Not just the good times, not just when you look pretty, but when it's falling apart. Those are the people that step into your story and they're there for you. And this is what Daniel's helping us understand. To see the importance of how God created us to experience life. See, life is a relational endeavor. It's one we're meant to do together. And yet the incredible thing about Daniel, from what we've learned of him, he could have easily tried to solve this by himself. Because when we, we meet Daniel in the first chapter, one of the things we're told about him is that as he trusted God with the story, God actually gifted him with the ability to understand dreams. So when the inner office memo came, Ariok comes in like, I'm going to kill you now. You know, Daniel could have asked for more time and then just said, okay, God, let's figure this out together, you and me. And yet that's not what Daniel does because he understands something. He understands that life is meant to be lived together. He understood the importance of relying on and leaning on the people around him in his story. And as we zoom in, Daniel shows us this deep truth about life, that life is meant to be done together. See, that's how God has created us. We're not meant to live our lives independent from each other. We're actually meant to do life with each other, helping each other face the hard things in life, facing, helping each other walk together and hold on to that hope that we have because of Jesus at work in our story, our stories. And see, this is why when we encounter Jesus and he begins to show up in our lives and suddenly we realize, I, I need you. I need you to do something for me that I can't do for myself. When he invites us to step into this new life he has for us, he calls us into a community together, a community that he calls his church. And Jesus' church is not a building or a program. Those are just tools that a church uses to help gather together at different points in time. But the church is a people doing life together as we pursue Jesus and what he wants to do in our stories, which explains some things. It first of all, explains why church is so messy. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Like church doesn't always get it right. You know why? Because it's us. <laughs> We're messy. I can tell you, I know that there are at least two reasons why this church will be messy. You're here and I'm here. And I don't mean to say that to insult anyone, but like, come on, I'm a work in process. How about you? Which is why I need Jesus. And so at some level, we shouldn't be surprised that church will be messy because it's people that recognize they need help who are now trying to follow Jesus. And the goal should be not to justify our mess, but to surrender it to Jesus and say, yeah, that's why I'm following you. How about you, friend? Yeah, let's walk together. And it's okay to limp and it's okay to hurt because we're his mess now. And he loves us so well that we get to walk with him into what he has for us. But that's what it means that we're, we're, we're churches of people who are seeking to experience and share in this new life that Jesus has together with him. And as we do this, as we learn to be church together, we actually help each other hold on to this hope that we have because he's at work in our story. I love how the writer of Hebrews captures this, writing to the first Christians, helping them understand what, what God has done in their story and what Jesus is up to. And in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews writes these words, and catch the plural language here. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, the hope that we can have. And here's why. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. 
Like God is good. He's never going to fail us. We can hold on to that. But how do we do that together? Look at what the writer goes on to say. Here's how. So let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See that, that this picture of, of people doing life together, not giving up on each other, not quitting because it's inconvenient or hard. And I get it. It's hard right now in the midst of what we're walking through to do that, but we still have the means to stay connected if we choose to. And what we see here is that there are gifts that we can actually give each other if we will lean in to how Jesus calls us to be community together. They're gifts that he gives. Do you understand that when he brings us together as his church, we are actually gifts to one another? I, I know sometimes we want the gift receipt, right? But, but the reality is, is that he's like, no, 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 I've brought you together so you can actually help each other. Just like we see Daniel and his friends doing in that moment. And here's some of the gifts that we see from this passage that we are. One of the gifts that we give each other is this. It's the gift of encouragement. How many of you have needed encouragement in the last, I don't know, two years? Yeah. You know, you know what it means to encourage another person? It, it's literally to pour courage into their life. And can I, I just tell you, I need that in my story. I need people who will come around me and say, Joel, we're with you, we're for you. I know you're spinning and I know it's hard, but don't lose sight of the hope that we have that God's at work in our story. And I'll just tell you that like, this start of this year has been very discouraging for me. Because as we were working hard through the last, like we came here with high expectations to see what God was going to do and we're going to relaunch this church together and, and just like, yeah. You know, but we worked hard last calendar year to gain some momentum. Like, I don't know if you were here when we did the baptism. Like, we're like, God, you're on the move. Look at what's going on. And we're running into the Christmas season. And then we step into 2022, and I feel like we've stepped back in time like 12 months or so. And it's just like, it's been so discouraging. Ron and I have been talking how we've just both felt this in our spirit. Like, how do we hold on to the hope God has? But we felt this. And what was amazing this week is I just had some conversations with different people who were a part of this church, friends that I've gotten to know. I was talking with one friend on the phone, just talking through what we were trying to create for the service, and she was just speaking words of life in that moment. She was literally pouring courage into my soul, because that's what I need in my story. How about you? That's the gift we can be for one another. I mean, I don't know what the conversation was when Daniel broke into his friends. I mean, I think one of them was like, wait, what, they're going to kill us? <laughs> but somewhere in that, I think maybe they were like, but we know God's good and God's for us, so yeah, let's lean in together. And somehow they poured courage into each other's lives, and they pursued God. God, help us, and God showed up in the midst of that. But that's one of the gifts that we give to each other is that we can, the gift of encouragement. Here, here's another gift that we can give each other as we go through life together. It's the gift of inspiration. Have you ever just seen somebody do something that seems so crazy, but they trusted God? God was at work in their story. They stepped up, and something amazing happened because they trusted God. God used them to do something. Like, I need people like that that I look at in my life because I can't generate that on my own. I need people who are chasing after Jesus, running beside me, who say, look at what he's doing. Let's get after that together. 
I know it's scary. I know it's big. But I need you in my story. And I, I, I would think at some level, you need me in your story. Because we have the ability to actually inspire each other toward the life that God has given us, toward what Jesus is doing in our story. Next week, we're going to move into the next chapter in the story, and we're going to see Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, face one of the biggest moments of their lives. And as we look at that story next week, I can't help but think how inspired they must have been by Daniel in this moment to see their friend chase after what God had as they rallied together And then God showed up in their story, and he had the courage to go before the king and say, I can't do this, but there is a God who can. I mean, how inspired must they have been by Daniel at work in their story? And that's one of the gifts that we can give each other as we do life together. And so this is why one of our key strategies as a church, one of our key strategies of how we walk and grow and experience the life that Jesus has for us so we can make a positive impact in the world around us, is doing life together. It's why we create our community groups so we can help each other chase after all that Jesus has for us. So because we believe that Jesus calls us into a new community called his church so we can walk together and do life together. It's why we work hard to try to build a culture in our church that creates space for this. And it's not always easy. We're figuring it out in the middle of COVID, but we're committed to it because we will always be better together than going it alone. You will go farther with others in the journey of faith that Jesus has for you than just trying to figure it out on your own. So showing up just once a week or so, you're going to hopefully be inspired and see what God wants, but you're going to grow so much more when you're walking with other people because life is better together because life is a relational endeavor. That's how God created us. That's why he gives us to one another to help each other. And yet it's easy to miss this, isn't it? It's easy to miss this. And, and I just want to push on a couple of reasons why we sometimes miss this. And I'm not trying to pick on you, but I just want to wrestle with you because I can miss this too. And here's some of the reasons why. Three reasons why we can sometimes miss this. Sometimes we miss this because we're asking the wrong question. And this is the question I think sometimes we ask when we hear a talk like this. Well, who does this for me? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wrestled with that? Have you ever just asked that question? Who, who, who's doing this for me then? Because yes, I agree with the things that we're talking about, but I'm asking the question from the standpoint of like, I don't seem to be experiencing this from other people around me. And suddenly we get hung up on that question that we miss the more important question, which is, for whom am I doing this? For whom am I being church? And see, that's a scary thing to take because that, that's actually, it's a risk to take that step towards pouring out towards another person because we're like, well, what if it's not reciprocated and all those questions and re- things that we can wrestle with and feel. But yet what Jesus oftentimes calls us to do is to get over ourselves for the benefit of others, trusting that when we do that, we'll actually find the thing we're looking for. Because I guarantee you, if you're asking that question, you're not the only one. But if you will take that first step towards another person, Watch what God wants to do to meet you in that as you're seeking to meet the needs of another person. And so maybe you're on the fence, like, I don't know if I really want to do a group or not. I, like, just see what God has for you. Step into those moments. Seek to be for others what you desire for yourself and watch how God can meet you in that. That's one reason we can miss out. Sometimes we can miss out, though, for other, another reason altogether. All and 
sometimes we can just miss out because, well, life is super busy. Anyone out there busy? Remember when you were a kid and you thought it would be easier when you got older? Pay attention right now. <laughs> like, you, you just, like, you're like, like, once I get done with school, it'll be, it'll be, like, it'll be a breeze. And then you, like, try to figure out a career and you're like, I don't like this job. And, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like it slows down. I have friends who are now retired and they're like, it's busier than it's ever been. <laughs> and I'm scared to death. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and here's the reality. Life will always be busy. Busyness is just a part of life. What we have to choose to do is to take the time that we have and invest it in the things that matter most. And so sometimes what that means is that we have to say no to good things so we're freed up to say no to greater things and be willing to commit to the relationships that will help us grow as we help others grow. And yet sometimes when we're in a busy season, it's not necessarily what we need is to subtract things from our life. Sometimes when you're in a busy season, you actually need to add the right things. So if you think of busyness as like walking a tightrope, right? And, and like the last thing you want when you're trying to find balance in life is one more thing to carry, unless it's the right thing. Because you watch people who do the high wire act, what are they holding in their hands? Like a long pole, right? Because what that pole does is it actually gives them balance. They've had to actually add something to their life to give them the balance they need to keep walking the path in front of them. And that's what relationships can be like. Again, like I'm a deep introvert, right? So if you, <laughs> this isn't on my notes in terms of excuses, but if you're ever like your excuse is I'm just an introverted person, I'm sorry, I ruined that for you. Because <laughs> I'm also a deep introvert, but what I've come to realize is I still need people. And there have been times in my life where the last thing I want to do is go to another thing. And yet when I'm on the other side of that other thing with people that I'm doing life with, I realize that's exactly what I needed. I needed those voices. I needed those people in my life. And so what we don't want to do is to find ourselves, and the greatest of tragedies of life is that we suddenly find ourselves isolated when life hits the fan. And we're isolated and we don't have anyone else that we're walking with because we haven't invested in the relationships around us. Right? So be careful that you don't let the pace of life Determine your participation in doing life with other people. But then there's one more reason why I think sometimes we miss this. And I think we miss it sometimes when we're in this place of saying, like, I get it, I get it, but I'm good. I'm good. Actually, maybe none of us are there because of the reality of where life is. But can you remember a time in your life when you were good? And you were just like, ah, it's okay. I don't, I, like, this is, this is for people that are really hurting or need this, like, but I'm good right now. I want to challenge you with a thought. When you're in those moments when you're good, maybe you're good for a reason. And that reason is the people sitting around you right now. Like maybe you're good for a reason because God actually wants to use you in a season of strength to be strength for people around you. To be the one who comes alongside of someone and says, you can lean on me, friend. You can walk with me in this season because I guarantee you we're not all going to be in the same place at the same time. We're not all going to have the same struggles in the exact same moments, but we will all have them at one time or another. And there will be times when I need to be strength for you, but I will need you to be strength for me. And so what if, what if in this moment of being good, God actually wants to use you to be the answer to someone else's prayer in this coming season? 
What a beautiful gift that you get to be a part of someone's story. And when you step into that moment, there's parts of your faith that come to life when you realize you get to be for others and you're like, it's not all about me and I've been set free from self-centeredness and God, look, you're using me to impact another person's story. That's exciting. And so I just, I love the brilliance of Jesus. How he invites us into new life with him. But he doesn't leave us on our own to figure it out. He brings us together to be a part of a community that he calls his church. His church together so that we would never have to walk alone as we walk with others. And so here's a question I have for you as we continue to move into this new year. Who are you going to be church with this year? Because 2022, it's coming out swinging. <laughs> Christy made the joke earlier today, like when we saw the tsunami warning. And we we're just kind of like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that's just, all right, par for the course. Here we go. The tsunamis are going to come, friends. So who are you going to be church with? So you can have the gifts of encouragement and inspiration as you go through it. Who will you be church for? Because God wants to work through us to show the world around us that there is a hope that can be found. And when the world sees a community walking in the, that, together in that sense of hope, it says, hey, what, what's going on with you that seems different in, in a culture that cancels each other, that's brutal towards one another, that just doesn't seem to care about one another? What's going on with this group of people that's different? And you know what we get to tell them? We're not that great, but we know the one who is. And we'd love to invite you to walk with him as well. And so let me pray for us as we head into this time of worship with God. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you that you are so good to us. Thank you that no circumstance today can change the fact that you are for us, that you love us. The proof of that is in what you've done for us. And yet, God, I know I get so spun with life, that I lose sight of that. So today, would you give us a glimpse once again of your goodness? Would we see the wisdom of what Daniel did and follow in his path and walk with others as we head into this year so that we can be gifts to one another to encourage each other and inspire each other in all that you have for us? And so, Lord, thank you for your love and your goodness Thank you that we can have life because of you. Jesus, we want to make much of you in this coming year. So help us to walk together so we can do it together with you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.